It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is magician and author Vinnie Grosso. You've seen him on America's Got Talent and Penn and Teller Fool Us. And he's developed a unique act for these coronavirus times called Over the Air, an interactive theatrical experience for people who are not just yet leaving their homes. For ticket information, go to VinnieGrosso.com and also OverTheAirMagic.com. Follow him on Instagram at Vinnie Grosso. And by the way, the next performance is September 17th. So if you go to the website, you can get all the information about the show. And Vinnie, welcome. Thank you for having me. You have an interesting background in a number of ways because you didn't start out as a magician. Well, you started out as a baby, of course, and then you became a kid and a teenager and an adult. But then eventually you you did go to the Villanova University with a degree. You got a degree in mechanical engineering, which is fascinating to me because you use that to create your own illusion. So is that how you initially got interested in magic or were you always just a magician at heart? I got into magic when I was 12 and I started performing for hire, I think when I was 14 or 15 before I could drive. So when, when I went to college, I, I did mechanical engineering and, and even my, my senior design project was a levitation for magic. So I did a magic trick as my senior design project. And I also had a minor that they custom made for me that was part communication classes and part theater classes to combine, you know, so I was able to do PR and advertising along with acting and, and other things. So they were, they were really great to encourage me along the path. So I, I was well into magic before I, I got into, got, got to college and was working my summers performing in the Catskills during my college days too. How is it that you're able to perform? I thought the Catskills were pretty much diminished from the old days. We're thinking of the 40s, the 50s, even the 60s. Are there still enough resorts up there for people to perform? Sure. Now, I haven't performed there in maybe 10, 15 years, but, and I was much further north in the Catskills than what you're probably thinking of, you know, there, but there, there were still quite a few in the, certainly in the 90s. I know one of them that I, I went to a lot is, is now actually just a, a, a Jewish boys summer camp now. <laughs> right. Uh, it was converted. It used to be an Italian resort, Italian-American resort, and I think maybe 10, 15 years ago converted over. So yeah, there, were, there was like a rotation of about six or seven that were easy driving distance to me that I would rotate in and, and do a show a week or every other week at, at a particular resort. I didn't make much money. I thought I was rich at the time, but, it was, <laughs> um, and, and I mean, I would bring backdrops and all sorts of stuff. I, I, I would set up for like two hours to do a, a, a 45 minute show and then tear down for another hour. And I think maybe I made 150 bucks a show, <laughs> you know, during that, but you know, when you're a college kid, that's, you know, you do that three or four times a week. That's decent money. Absolutely. And the yeah. energy that you put out, too, is a lot more when you're younger than uh, when you finally get wise and say to yourself, okay, I'm not going to do these many shows. I'm going to do maybe one or two, but they're going to be really good. I'm going to focus and 
that's it. Yeah. So yeah, to speak. Sure. So what now what brought you to, well, I'll get to about Las Vegas in a second. I'm, I'm curious why you ended up in Las Vegas, but you, at what point did you decide that you wanted to make magic full time? You could have gone on and designed illusions, for example, as many people do, not just in Las Vegas, but in other cities in America where they, their whole career is designing illusions for magicians. So you had that, in a sense, the talent and the skills to do that, but you decided instead to go with the way of performing as well. Right. But I, I only committed to performing full time and only performing full time a little over a year ago. And up until then, I was always doing multiple jobs. And one of that one of those jobs was within engineering slash marketing. I, I started after college, I, I worked as a product engineer and uh, my first job was designing ultra capacitors for a company that is now owned by Tesla. So I designed the mechanical packaging of that. And then I quickly moved out of that and into the window covering industry. And I was product designer there, but then also a product manager and into the marketing end of things with that. And I, I stayed consulting for window coverings up until a little over a year ago. And that was it was always a source of income, but it was always a, a distraction to what my true passion and, and true interest was, which is performing. Well, I so. could see that both of those career paths did not exactly scream showbiz. Right, right. But I also did a lot of tour managing on the side for different artists. That was kind of my hobby. And, and, that, and that actually proved to be a, another distraction to performing. But at least it was, I was in theaters and I was working with celebrities and shows that kept me in the show business arena, I guess. And I, and I definitely learned an awful lot. I don't think I, I could be the performer that, that I am now without that experience. There's one other distraction. You wrote a book. Yeah, <laughs> so I did. I wrote a book. And the book was, is primarily from my, from my tour managing days and also I was involved in the Society of American Magicians. I was the national president. That's a, uh, the oldest magic organization in the world. Harry Houdini was the president for many years. And that allowed me to meet a lot of prominent magicians and get to know them as well. And I write about some of them in my book and celebrities that I've tour managed with. And the book was, was really... So the book started out as here are some case studies of extremely successful people and how how they followed their passion and then how did the, the book is titled exposed and fearless and then how did fear play a role in them achieving their success and so the exposed part is I, I i give you a side of these people if they're famous i give you a side that you don't see of them you know off camera off stage of you know that i got to know them and be friends with them as, as we're touring around and also expose there are some people that you might not know uh, magic wise or whatever that, that have some really unique talent. So I expose them that that's the exposed part of the book. And then the fear list is how fear played a role in them pursuing their passion. And it's like I said, it started out as a case study, several case studies. And then the second edition I wrote, I, I updated to the second edition after I uh, had an appearance on Penn and Teller Fool Us. And the book has become, now it's on the third edition after America's Got Talent and another appearance on Fool Us. 
it's become my journey of taking the advice that I've learned from these folks and applying it to my life and, and showing how I am now finally pursuing my passion, how I'm dealing with fears and, and all of that to, to have what is, I've, I've, I've had more success in the past year, even with COVID and the challenges that COVID brought, I've had more success in the past year pursuing my passion, doing what I love uh, magic wise. I've had more success mentally, physically, and financially in the last year than any other year of my life. So you took the advice of your own book. Exactly. Which and is I'm great. I'm still doing it. I'm right. still struggling with it. You know, right. like the, I, I, I don't really like, I think it's a bit irresponsible, these like self-help books where they say, we're going to solve all your problems or this and that. No, it, it's not like that. I'm, these, are, these are just some examples and I've tried to, tried to apply them to myself and it's, it's going well, but it's by no means any sort of like magic bullet to solve everything, you know? It sounds very similar to, a, I'll paraphrase an old book title, Feel the fear and do it anyway, something like that. In other words, mm-hmm. you're, you're a living example of it where you have your own fears. You wrote about people who had fears and then they still went ahead and they, were, they exposed themselves because they needed to accomplish something. So it's that, I don't want to say philosophy per se, but it's really a way of thinking. Yeah, and part of the, the discovery in, in the, this and conclusion of, of, of the book is that fearless is not, is not a good thing to, to be fearless. You're, you're going to get yourself into trouble. I think the key to success from studying these people and, and applying it to myself, the key to success is having a level of fear that is, that motivates you to accomplish these things and isn't a roadblock to, you you know, there, you, you can have so much fear where it's insurmountable and you don't accomplish anything, but having no fear it's kind of reckless and, and bad things can happen. So you want to have, it's, it's almost the same thing of, you know, respecting mother nature, you know, with these adventurers that, that do some crazy things, but you, you still have to have that respect for the forces beyond your control or, or the, you know, the forces that are, are stronger than you. So having some fear is, is the ideal situation. You want to have a little bit of fear and have that fear help motivate you to get things done. So it's finding that balance. Isn't that the same as when you teach a child not to put their hand on the burner on the stove? So if you were fearless, you would do it, but then you would get burned. Absolutely. Yeah, I use, I use an analogy in the book that I do in my, I, I do a live uh, lecture. Uh, and I've, I've also modified the the lecture to work for, to work for the whole online situation because I, I do a lot of things with interaction with people and stuff. So modifying it was a a bit of a challenge, but I use an example of a wolf with an animal trap and the the wolf, the the first time the wolf sees the animal trap, they think, Oh, there's just a free meal here. So they put their paw in it and they had no fear. They had no knowledge. They had no experience of that animal trap. So they were completely fearless and they end up losing their, their paw. In, in, the, in the process. But once a wolf has that experience with that, now they have that fear of that trap. They're like, oh, I know what happens with that. And I'm not going to stick my paw in there. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So fear is a good motivator, and it seems to be not just a motivator, but a cautionary tale, but not such a cautionary tale that you want to avoid doing anything. Would that be a fair analysis of what your primary point is? Yes. Yeah, spot on. Great. I want to talk to you a little bit more about the show itself, which I find fascinating, both from the technological point of view and from the magical point of view and the presentation point of view. And we'll do that when we return in a moment. But what brought you to Las Vegas? So I'm from a a very small town in upstate New York, and I was working as a consultant in the window covering industry and tour managing. So I was basically working, I can work wherever, it didn't matter. And and I had very little time that I was home. And when I was home, I was basically in a small town. And so I was like, hey, if, if I can do this anywhere, why don't I want to? It was, it was actually my best friend who owns the production company that I was tour managing with. He's the one that said, why are you move to like Las Vegas? There was a, a person that I tour managed, Brad Sherwood. From uh, whose line is it anyway? Colin Mockery and Brad Sherwood. I would tour manage for for years, and him and his wife had moved to Vegas recently at that time, and and loved it. They moved from LA there, and they were like, "Yeah, it's it's fantastic." And I had so many friends out here to begin with, and and I made even more. And uh, I say my only regret is that I didn't move out here sooner. And you're talking to someone that. I do not gamble. I do not drink. I've never seen the inside of a club. You know, I've never done a drug in my life. I, you know, I don't, all these things that people say are like, you know, the vices of Vegas. I have, I, I have no interest in any of those things, but I, I just love this city so much. Well, we appreciate that. <laughs> Let's take a break. My guest, magician, author, Vinny Grosso. He's developed a unique act, which we're going to talk about for these coronavirus times. It's called Over the Air, an interactive theatrical experience for people who are not just leaving their homes. The next one coming up is September the 17th. For ticket information, go to overtheairmagic.com. You could follow him on Instagram at Vinny Grosso. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You think you know Vegas? But how much do you really know about this neon city? See the dark side of the bright lights at the Mob Museum where you can explore how a tough little town transformed into a gaming metropolis with a little help from organized crime. You won't find these stories of lawbreakers and law enforcement, mob bosses and prosecutors anywhere else. The Mob Museum in downtown Las Vegas. More information at themobmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with magician and author Vinny Grosso. He's developed a unique act for these times called Over the Air, an interactive theatrical experience for people who are not just yet leaving their homes. For ticket information, and the next one coming up is September 17th. For ticket information, go to vinnygrosso.com, overtheairmagic.com. You can follow him on Instagram at Vinny Grosso. And Vinny, the show is designed in a couple different ways. One is for the public and another is for corporate gigs, etc. So Tell us a little bit about how you set this show up and how it works online. Yeah, I, it took me a while to put this show together because I, wanted, I didn't want this show to be 
it, when, when everything kind of shut down, people were like, okay, well, I'm just going to broadcast my show and, and that'll be it. And I felt like that's, that's a consolation prize to being in a, a live theater and, and seeing a show live. So this is a different medium and there are advantages and disadvantages to the, the medium, but of the advantages, let's, let's exploit them and let's, let's put together a show that I, I want the feeling to be after this show is like, wow, that was, that was great. And I, I was able to do things in this show that I couldn't do in any other type of environment. You know, I wouldn't be able to have experienced that. What, what just happened there if I was in a theater or however else you, you could uh, uh, perform a show. So that, that took a little bit of finding the right material to put it together. And then the other element to it is, so I'm broadcasting it over Zoom. And people are, I, I think people have this feeling that when they're on Zoom, oh, okay, this is, you know, this is a boring business meeting or this is, Something so I, I I didn't want it to have the Zoom feel so we've we've kind of layered some technology that even despite broadcasting over Zoom because Zoom is you know fantastic for doing all these things I it gives it a broadcast feel so it it takes you away the, the whole the whole point of this show is to to be an escape I mean I call it over the air magic because it's it's over the air but. It's also we, we play on the whole over the air being a journey of flight or, you know, a travel thing. It, the show opens up with a flight attendant giving, uh, you know, she's, she's got attitude and giving you instructions on how to use your computer, et cetera. But the idea is it's an escape. So I, I didn't want it to feel like anything that we're used to in our day to day. I want people to sit and and experience the show and be taken away for, for the hour that we're, we're together. And I don't know how you do it, but the flight attendant somehow was able to give me, through Zoom, a bag of peanuts. <laughs> I don't know how that and, worked. And it's even harder than that. We have to screen you to make sure you weren't allergic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now, part of the interesting approach that you take, that you involve the audience so it's not, as you said earlier, you're not just performing to what I would call an empty room. You're performing to, it's a live show. It's just that it's online. So people are reacting and you are interacting with people as well. When I say they're reacting, they're laughing, they're applauding. You're also interacting because, for example, if you're doing an illusion, you are having the audience participate. You will go to a couple of different people within the audience and talk to them about what they're doing and they'll, they'll respond. So it is an interesting mix of a live performance online through Zoom, but layered, as you said, with other technical aspects to it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's such a it's such an undertaking because it's it not only is it just a, a completely new show, but because it's a, a completely new medium to you know to put together a sixty minute show on top of it interacting in a medium that you you've never really worked with before don't have tremendous amount of experience or comfort with it, it has certainly been daunting that's that's for sure i think though that the audience understands that instinctively so they 
give you that leeway to make it work because that is that is a very very good point and yes i i've been given a lot of leeway by audience members and that has been lovely <laughs> and also too because for most people most people are also new to zoom so it's a feeling of we're all in this boat together and mm-hmm. here's a, a magician performing and balancing all kinds of technical issues magical issues presentation issues and so we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt and we're going to buy into the performance as a result yeah so yeah. i think that's I, why i think that's why it works it's because of that i no one's expecting a in other words no one's expecting a slick smooth totally professional performance there's just too many variables to have that happen that way sure and there hasn't been enough time to put to have like the the proper polish on a show I, I mean, I've been at it for, I've been doing shows for two and a half months, I think now. And, and I'm really just feeling comfortable now with the show where, uh, I think you saw the show last night and, you know, we, we certainly had, I, I mean, you can spot because you, you, you put on a, a you know, the podcast and, and all that, you can spot certain technical issues that maybe a regular audience goer would not. But I I guarantee you there was probably twice as many things that were not how I wanted them to be precisely than you even picked up on, but it still didn't impact kind of how I presented the show. And and I just went with that. That's what I mean by comfort love. There's always going to be little, little things that are not exactly how you wanted it, but the audience should never know. And, and do you still feel, you know, comfortable as you're, you're going through there? And I'm, I'm just starting to feel that way now with this show. And also, too, the old showbiz adage, the show must go on. Yeah. So, for example, if you're talking to Joe Blow in the audience and he forgets to unmute and then you have to give him a second or two to unmute, it just that's part of the show. And I think over time, too, you can create some great lines when someone isn't unmuted and, and not, you, nobody hears him and you can play off of that as just a fun thing. Right. And that only comes with, with, with experience, you know, like my, my favorite magician and one of my dear, dear friends here in town is Matt King. And he, he is, you know, he has done that act for many years. I won't say how many years because that could give away his age and I'm sure he doesn't want me to do that. <laughs> but but he he has seen he has seen every sort of reaction to everything that he's done literally thousands of times. So he 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 knows how to react and and everything in that show feels like it is improvised and it is not at all sorry to give away one of his secrets, but, but it isn't, but the, his genius is, is that it feels it, that it, it feels that way. And getting to that, you know, that, that has taken him years and years and years to, to, to get to that point. And, uh, you know, these shows, you know, I don't, I don't have hundreds of performance, you know, like I have 50 plus performances of this show, not thousands of performances. And, so you're just starting to figure out the timing of how people react to different things and, and what reactions you get and what, you know, kind of bank of 
problems that could, that people could have and how, you know, and what's the best way, you know, what, what's the line that really worked to, to fix that, that situation and, and go with that. I mean, last, last night in the show, I got a new one that I, I don't think I'll get again, but it was just, it was great when there were two kids in, in the camera. And I, I only, I only needed one to help me with the trick. And, and I just, just trying to see where it would go. I said, all right, you guys, you know, can choose who can help me, you know? So, and I thought that, you know, one person was being really nice, like, oh, you can do it. But it turns out they were debating because I couldn't hear them. Uh, <laughs> right. the mic. And then they right. ended up doing rock, paper, scissors <laughs> exactly. on camera right. to decide, these two kids, to decide who, who got to be the volunteer. <laughs> and I, exactly. I just thought, you know, those are the great moments that you, you, you live for. And, and, and the people around you, they know, oh, okay, this is really happening right now in other people's homes. And they, they feel that connection even though we're, we're in different parts of the country. Yeah, I think the other little technical challenge that you will always have with Zoom, at least unless they change things in their infrastructure, which they may do as time goes by, there is a slight delay whenever someone speaks. And so for the audience to either react to you or for you to react to an audience member about something on a, on a spoken level, there's just that slight delay, which is why I will never do usually an interview with Zoom, I'd much prefer over the phone because it's much more it's much more connected than the Zoom that has just that slight little delay sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's there's I mean, we've we've played around with so many different platforms, you know, other than Zoom. And and it's a nature of the internet connections that everyone has, like even, you know, boosting it up to the, you know, your your fastest connection that you can get there, there's still, there's still lag in it. And you need to know how to pace yourself and pace these, these tricks, especially magic tricks where, you know, sometimes things need to be instant. And, you know, I can tell you there, there are certain cues that my technician has to do. And I have to say certain things a certain way, exactly the same way, because he needs to trigger a particular cue ahead of when it has to hit because of that whole lag that's going on. So if I don't say the thing precisely the right way, the, that cue is going to be off just a little bit. Right. And I want people to understand I'm not criticizing Zoom. I think it's great to have that technology anyway so people can stay in touch and see your show and communicate with each other. I just think technologically down the road, there may be even less of that delay. So it's amazing that we have Zoom to begin with. Yeah. Do you start to get calls or emails from fellow magicians now that they see what you're doing and they want to emulate what you do and they're asking for advice? I have, and it's been, you know, mostly like good, good friends of mine that, that I know because I've, uh, to be honest, I, I have not tried to publicize my show within kind of the magic community at all. Hmm. Uh, my show is not for magicians. It's it's for uh, non-magicians, and I've just tried to go about my business. I've also really tried to get off of social media altogether. So I, I I'm not. I still have a Facebook account, but I am not on it at all. And I have an Instagram account that I use, and you, I, you've been plugging that, which I appreciate. The at Vinny Grasso, and that is really because it's also a part of the show. It's used within the show. Right. So I still, right. 
I still keep that and, and go with that. So I, I've tried to be kind of a little bit of a, a hermit, but that said, I've had several calls with, with other magicians helping them out with their setup and, and getting their show going uh, as well. So, so um, you're a, you're a pioneer in a sense. Yeah, there, I, uh, sure. I mean, there's a group, I mean, I'm not, I've, I've gotten a lot of help too with, not, not just magic tricks, but on the technical side as well. Um, I, I was getting help from the, the company that I was telling you that I did all the tour managing for. They, they were developing uh, these shows and uh, Mills Entertainment did quite a bit of work. And I was working with them and helping them and receiving help from them. So I don't think anybody doing this right now, you could say, is like, oh, they just did everything themselves and they're fantastic. You know, it's no, I meant you're a, a pi- I think effort. you're a pioneer in the format of it, I guess is what I'm oh, saying. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's I, what I'm talking I, about. I, I would say uh, I'm definitely in a small group of people that are, that are doing it this way. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been magician and author Vinnie Grosso, and that's spelled G-R-O-S-S-O. I mean, he's spelled that way. Well, the name is spelled that way. And he's developed a unique act for these coronavirus times called Over the Air. It's an interactive theatrical experience for people who are not just yet leaving their homes. For ticket information, and the next event is September 17th, but he does several of them throughout the next couple of months. So please uh, go to the website, which is both vinnygrasso.com and also overtheairmagic.com, overtheairmagic.com. Dot com, and you can follow him on Instagram at Vinny Grosso. Vinny, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Ira. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Bring us your fantasy.